Hi, my name is Pete Scazzaro. I want to welcome you today to the Emotionally Healthy Leader Podcast. And our title today is Prudence, the Overlooked Secret of Mature Leaders. Prudence, the Overlooked Secret of Mature Leaders. And, uh, you know, our context here in which we're living is it, it's without prudence, uh, there's not good leadership. And whether you're leading a church, a nonprofit, a ministry, a company, your family, and uh, and as we participate in just our neighborhoods and civic activities. And so this topic is, I'm very passionate about it. Uh, it has very broad applications to all of life, but especially today, uh, and especially for those of you who, like myself, you know, we speak for God, we, we, we teach scripture, uh, and now we're involved in a global pandemic with uh, a lot of news and conspiracy theories, and uh, there's a lot of information floating around and uh it's very easy to begin saying things that are not prudent or wise and uh it's very important to remember that when we speak for god uh you know from scripture from a pulpit for example then we begin speaking on other things uh which are outside of our expertise as james 3 says you know there'll be greater judgment uh for those who are teachers you know in scripture why because we carry authority, we carry power uh, in our uh, lives that we exert an influence over other people. And so let me just introduce a bit of the context of which we're living. And th this topic of prudence applies to, of course, all of life and all of leadership. But as I said, it's particularly important today. There are enough conspiracy theories uh, floating around right now that I realize they're only going to be increasing with times and time. And in fact, there was an article recently in a magazine about American conspiracy theories are entering a dangerous new phase. And so uh, I see it everywhere from my own family, you know, in-laws, uh, you know, fake news, real news. Who do you trust? Questions have been coming to me from people about who, what news do you trust? And so there's information going around everything from, you know, this virus. Coronavirus was intentionally disseminated by China or maybe even Russia. In China, they say the U.S. implanted the, the virus there in China, uh, or others are saying that this was a, done by George Soros or Bill Gates because they want to use the vaccination to as a microchip to control the world's population. Or as one family member called me recently and said, no, this is all about Bill Gates is doing this because he wants to make money. And I said, I, I think he has enough money. But I realized he was utterly convinced and there was no conversation. So it was a very short conversation about that. Uh, or that uh, China created, of course, in a laboratory and an escape by accident. Or the World Health Organization this is a plot. They created it to control the world. And uh, then you know, issues of 5G technology, the virus is connected to that. And so you've got in Europe, uh, people have damaged cell towers uh, in Europe in recent weeks just to kind of to, to stop that. Or it's a global conspiracy of the, you know, to establish con population control. People have accused Anthony Fauci, who is the Dr. Anthony Fauci, who's like the primary spokesman from the science community on behalf of the United States, that he's behind this. And he's from the deep state. And then the whole issue of the deep state and Hillary Clinton, Barack Obama, even Tom Hanks. And, and now the question is being raised, even if they develop a vaccine, what happens if half the country refuses to take it because they believe it's actually a conspiracy theory? And what really makes this confusing is it gets all mixed in with God and religion uh, and end times and the great awakening and so uh very challenging uh to lead in these times and be wise in these times 
But just a, a pause before I, I launch into prudence. I mean, the murder, uh, if you look at like conspiracy theories, they've been part of history uh, from as far back as I, I know. Uh, just think of American history, everything from the conspiracy theories around the JFK assassination or Martin Luther King assassination. I remember reading about Roosevelt in World War II, that we actually started World War II uh, and Pearl Harbor because we wanted to uplift the economy, that Roosevelt himself was working for the Soviet Union. Uh, the World Trade Center, and I, again, I live here in New York, and I remember the uh, some of the cons theories that were going around about the World Trade Center, that we had actually planted those bombs inside those uh, and I had friends, I remember, giving me articles about that uh, right around 9-11, that we'd done that for various reasons. Um, uh, you know, the Holocaust, you know, that that was a conspiracy theory of Jews that, that helped cause that to happen, that, that you know, was believed in Europe and anti-Semitism was flowing out of that and et cetera, et cetera. And so when I became a believer in the early days, I remember I was a very young Christian, maybe a couple of months and a a fellow I knew came to me and, and started talking to me about, you know, the end of the world and we were about to enter the end of the world and various people being the Antichrist. And uh, I was just like, oh, my gosh, you know, <laughs> and uh, and then every it seems like every invasion, whether it's an Iraq invasion of the Soviet Union at one point and our invasion of Iraq. And I mean, that, that was the end of the world and how it all fit in with prophecy of revelation and um. But again, so often uh, this is being approached from a narrow view historically. And so if you look at actually history and look at even people being considered the Antichrist, uh, it goes way back. You know, you can look at Peter the Great and Pope John the 22nd and Mussolini and Napoleon, and of course, Hitler. So there's nothing more important. Let me just before I launch into prudence, and I'm, I'm going to give you the end right now in the beginning, which is there is nothing more important that we are grounded in God. Uh, please, that that is God's heart for you and for me. In other words, we're grounded in scripture. Uh, so if you read passages like Jesus talking about the end times in Matthew 24, uh, it just gives such a great perspective about birth pangs, about, you know, uh, you know, don't, you know, God's him being he calling us to discernment and, and prudence. And you read the book of Revelation. Again, read it properly. And I'll talk about that in a few minutes. But we want to be grounded in scripture, getting God's perspective. We want to be grounded in silence and solitude and prayer, uh, that we're breathing, we're relaxing, we're not moving from anxiety, but we're really listening to God. We're, we're silent and still before him. And then we're getting wise counsel. There's good and there's bad counsel. And then we're being faithful, as Jesus talked about the end, when he talked about the end of history, that his whole thrust in, in for example, Matthew 24 and 25 is, is that we would feed those whom God has given us. We'd be faithful to give food to those whom God has given us, spiritual food. Now, again, we, um, it could be your family, it could be your, your circle of influence, it could be your ministry, your your church, your company, whatever it is um, that you're leading. But you want to feed those that God has given you. You can feed them God's food. You want to be faithful to the talents God has given you, uh, uh, whether you're one or two or ten. You, you want to be uh, faithful to serve the poor and the marginalized. Uh, but you want to be faithful with the little that God's given you because he's going to multiply them at the end. And don't be shaken to the right or left, as Jesus talked about. Don't fear. And again, our resource uh, today then is, is I want to offer you the Daily Office, an ancient treasure that um, is such a great resource to help stay grounded in God. And these last two weeks, we've um, we've released on the EmotionallyHealthy.org website uh, a Daily Office, a free one. Uh, and it's, it's a way to help you get started in being grounded amidst all the waves and hurricanes uh, around us. And I know it's been a, it's been a life game changer and a life changer for me. Uh, since 2003, and this is a great introduction. I wrote it a number of years ago. It's 
I, I ran into it again. People have been passing it around and using it for years, but it gives a morning, midday, and evening office. Uh, and you can print it or download it onto your phone. Uh, and it's a great way to just stay grounded, pause to be with God, remember Him with Scripture and silence uh, each day, three times a day. So go to emotionallyhealthy.org slash dailyoffice, emotionallyhealthy.org slash dailyoffice. It's a free resource, and I encourage you to pick it up, download it, and begin to use it to help you get grounded in God. So let's move on now to prudence and why it's so, uh, this is such a critical thing for us to pray for and ask God for Uh and uh, so in, in, in Scripture, in, in, at least in, in ancient Israel, uh, three things were needed. They needed prophets, they needed priests, and they needed the wise, uh, counselors. Uh, and so you've got these three wisdom books in Scripture, Job, Proverbs, and Ecclesiastes. And uh, Proverbs was used to train young people in Israel society to be groomed to be leaders. Uh, and so David and Solomon's court, for example, had permanent counselors or, you know, or, or wise, the wise men and hopefully women, uh, that would serve them. And the issue was how to live skillfully. And the understanding was that if you have wisdom, you've got something more precious than gold and rubies and fame and power and possessions. Uh, there's nothing better. Uh, the sad thing is uh, the issue of wisdom or prudence, uh, I, I, don't, I didn't know much about it uh, for many years. And so, I mean, how often did I appoint volunteers, for example, or staff too quickly without asking hard questions or knowing more of their history? How often did I add a new ministry into what we were doing without thinking about the support it would need and the long-term implications of launching something new? Or how many times do I say yes to something on my calendar? Say yes to something without looking at my calendar, or again thinking about how it's going to impact my schedule on a particular week or month or year? Or how often I said yes to expansive moves uh, into a, a new area without taking into account rhythms, my rhythms, my family's rhythms, the folks who work with me, their rhythms, Sabbaths, etc., marriages, singleness, how often I've launched into something new uh, without properly sorting out the old mess that was unsorted out, hoping that would cover over the old mess and then actually had now a new additional set of problems. In fact, I didn't pray for prudence. It was never on my prayer list. But I've learned my lesson that it is critical, and I, I need it today more than ever. Uh, and so, again, Proverbs classifies people in three different ways. We classify people by race and economic class and language and geography and age, uh, Enneagram numbers. Proverbs classifies people in three categories, mockers, fools, and the prudent or the wise. And uh, the whole contrast in the book of Proverbs is really between the fools and the prudent or, or the wise. Now again, mocker is the third category or those who are just completely proud, arrogant, unteachable. You cannot correct them. The abusers, you know, they're, 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 they're I'm going to leave them off for now, but because the, the thrust of Proverbs is fools and the prudent. So a prudent person in Proverbs is someone who thinks ahead, who patiently gives careful thought to the long-term implications of their decisions. They have foresight, take things into account. They have good judgment. Uh, folks with good judgment, very challenging to find. Fools, on the other hand, are impulsive. They don't want to ask hard questions. They don't want to think, they don't think things through. They want, they just think short-term, quick fixes. You know, it's like, why sign that? Why read that contract? Uh, just, I don't really have time for that. Or, you know, oh, the taxes, I'm not going to pay my taxes. The IRS not going to notice. I, I make so little anyway. In fact, I'll just tell them it was a mistake. I overlooked it. I'm sure they'll understand. Uh, but the prudent, on the other hand, think ahead and they patiently give careful thought 
to the long-term implications of what they say and what they do. It's a little paragraph I'm going to read. It's from actually the Emotionally Healthy Leader book on prudence. It's a wonderful little summary, and it reads like this. Prudence has been called the executive virtue, meaning it enables us to think clearly and not be swept up by our impulses or emotions. Prudence remembers past experiences, our own and others, and draws out applicable lessons and principles. It partners with humility and willingly seeks counsel from others with more experience. Prudence is cautious and careful to provide for the future. Prudence asks, feelings aside, what is best in the long run? It carefully considers all relevant factors, possibilities, difficulties, outcomes. Perhaps most difficult or most important is that prudence refuses to rush. It's willing to wait on God as long as it takes, and it gives the decision-making process the time it needs. So Proverbs says, for example, 14.8, the wisdom of the prudent is to give thought to their ways. I would encourage you to memorize that verse. The wisdom of the prudent is to give thought to their ways. The prudent carefully consider their steps, 14.15. The prudent see danger and take refuge, but the simple or the fools keep going and they pay the penalty. And so again, to be hasty, a person's you know wisdom gives them patience. The hasty approach is quick and sloppily planned and half-planted. So let, let me half-implement this. So let me give you a, a few examples of some areas, uh, and then we'll circle back to some specific applications to um, our present day. Let's take the issue, example of finances. You know, it's just, I mean, how common is it to be that so much, of, so many people, such a large numbers of people, are fools with finances? No budget, no planning for the future, incurring credit card debt at 18 to 25%. Uh, whole industries are built in, in basically taking advantage of folks who are not prudent with their finances, not who are acting foolishly, and you know, not taking the time to do the math of what's really involved as they pay the minimum amount on the credit card, not realizing they're paying triple what they originally borrowed or quadruple, or go, and going to nice restaurants and buying new things and not living in reality, impulse buying. I had a good friend who uh, went to college with that, eventually made a great deal of money as a lawyer. And uh, at one point, over a million dollars a year. And I remember being with him, and he was just riding high, and, and uh, country clubs, all that stuff, and cars, and great restaurants, and boats. And to make a long story short, he got himself uh, in a situation where he ended up going through a divorce. He had a partner who betrayed him, took half his business. Uh, he had an accountant that was not doing a good job. He wasn't watching over the accountant, who ended up uh, not paying taxes. To make a long story short, he lost everything. Uh, and ended up in enormous debt, which took him multiple years to, to dig out of. He has dug out of it. Uh, but uh, he recognized he was a fool uh, in the way he was living his life. Uh, people get, you know, you, you're, doing a, you're doing a little work on your kitchen, for example. You want to get a new sink put in or uh, a new tabletop. You want to hire a contractor. But instead of getting uh, three bids from different contractors, you get one and you say, I like this guy. He's good. I'm sure it's fine. Because why? It's too much work and too much time to, to learn about what's actually involved and get three bids. Uh, you know, I, I, you know I, I remember I had a good friend growing up in, uh, I grew up with this in second grade, who eventually went into uh, being a stockbroker. And uh, 
this is and I forget he he was uh, at a time when the stock market was booming and uh, he called me and said listen Pete you got to give put your money in the stock market because it's unbelievable everyone's making money and uh, at this time I was I didn't know anything about the stock market I had five thousand dollars to my name Jerry and I and he says give it to me I promise you we're gonna double it you know in a year so of course I gave it to him and uh, and then it was a big crash and before I knew it it was down to twenty five hundred dollars. And um, I was just a fool, uh, just foolish, you know, and I waited it out until it went back up to where, you know, basically started and got it out. And uh, then eventually worked with an advisor who specialized on that uh, or a team of people over the years to set up a, uh, thinking about long-term finances and retirement accounts and all that stuff. And But uh, the prudent see danger, it says in Proverbs 22, and take refuge. But the simple, the fools keep going and and they pay the penalty. So finance is is an excellent area to to see where you see prudence versus foolishness. Then you see prudence and indecision-making. Fools make decisions by impulse. Uh, They believe everything they're told. And so I I think of folks, when I I can still remember when it was uh, after college uh, or after high school, uh, friends would say, I'm not going to go to college. When I go to college, I can get a job here for, you know, X number of dollars. At, at, but at 17, 18, it seemed like an enormous amount of money, but it was foolish because I wasn't thinking long-term about, you know, career and what, what, you know, what that could be. I still meet people who say, I went to Florida or I went to you know, a certain place. I loved it. I'm moving. Or I bought a place uh, and uh, there's no traffic there. And based on one visit, uh, we're moved. Or fo- folks who go look to buy a house and they see one part of the house they love, such as a basement or a particular room, and they buy the house. Uh, but it's an impulse buy without really thinking through, you know, everything else. Uh, or I'm so bad, mad at my boss, I'm quitting. Uh, you know, they don't have another job lined up. They haven't thought it through. Uh, it's just a bad moment and they quit. Or I'm desperate to buy a car. Uh, I go look at this car. It looks beautiful. The price seems right. But I don't want to offend the seller. I really liked him. Uh, I don't want to offend the seller by asking my mechanic to come over or bring it to my mechanic. So I'm just going to buy it. Foolish. You know? Or I, my, I had an aunt that didn't believe in doctors. Uh, and her decision was, I'm not going to doctors because they're all crooks. They're bums. They're thieves. And they'll kill you. And I can't trust the hospital either. She died very young. I remember being at her funeral saying, this is a tragedy. Um, one, of my, one of my many, many my, of my PhD in mistakes was... Uh, and, and lack of prudence was in our early years of uh, starting a, uh, we have a community development corporation. Uh, and uh, we started that. I remember being very eager and anxious to get that thing moving. And uh, a fellow had offered some money and uh, I remember being frustrated as we were waiting to figure out what the community really needed. Of course, when you launch any new program, it's something like a community development. It takes a lot of time. And I just remember saying, being in a meeting and saying something so foolish by myself. We just need to do something, I said. And, and, and people listened to me and we did something. Problem is it was dumb and uh, we wasted a lot of money. And uh, again, the wisdom of the prudent is to give thought to their ways. That's why it's so important to pray for prudence. I wasn't praying for prudence. God's process cannot be hurried in decision-making. When we do, it's a mess. One of my favorite quotes is by Rilke, the German poet in the early 1900s who wrote this. He wrote, have patience with everything that's unsolved in your heart and try to cherish the questions themselves. Perhaps one day, gradually, you'll live into the answer. So be comfortable just holding the questions as information's coming at you. As information, as you get more and more information, 
decisions become much clearer. Uh, again, that's prudence. Uh, let me take another area, words. You know, I come from an Italian-American family. We say everything out loud, you know, and uh, make promises we can't keep, exaggerations, uh, again, not being able to follow through. And I realized I would say words that were spoken out of anxiety. I still do it sometimes or desire to impress or need to control. I love our Proverbs 29 says, do you see a, a, a person who speaks in haste? There is more hope for a fool than for them. A fool doesn't say uh, things uh, that they don't know. Uh, you know, there's this, there's a, this, you look up on the internet, it's very interesting, you look at famous last words people said uh, that were just foolish. You know, Thomas Watson from IBM chairman in 1940 said, I think there's a world market for about five computers. Uh, or the producer of 20th Century Fox in 40, 1946 when TVs were starting, he says, TV won't last because people will get tired of staring at a plywood box every night. Or someone said to Elvis early on in 1950s, Elvis Presley in Nashville, you ain't going nowhere, son. You ought to get a job driving a truck. And uh, <clears throat> the list goes on. But part of wisdom or prudence for us uh, and the key to mature le leadership is we don't overreach and say things with our words that we really don't know much about. And I'll give you a couple examples. Let's take politics. Uh, United States, like many countries around the, this world, world right now, are is very polarized to the right and to the left. And <clears throat> I am not a politician. I don't have a PhD in politics. I haven't invested my life to understand the political arena on a, on a local, regional, state level, national level, global level. Uh, and so I'm very cautious with my words on what I say about politics. Uh, because I really don't know. I think the same thing re relates to international relationships. I know people have PhDs in international relationships, as uh, you know, between countries. That's not my area for sure. But I just want to be cautious and prudent in what I say, especially as a pastor and as a leader. I think of economics is very similar. Uh, socialism, communism, capitalism, big government, small government. There are think tanks on the right, think tanks on the, on the left. There are Christians involved in all these areas. But I'm very cautious, in, in this, and I want to encourage you to be, you know, cautious. I have my ideas of preferences, uh, but I don't say, I don't know enough to speak on economics and economic policy. Um, I've got some convictions about what Scripture says about various topics, of course, but when it comes to implementation of those values and what's the best way to do it, that's another matter altogether. Which one has to recognize? I. I my words have a great power, especially as a leader. And so recognizing what are the limits of that power? Um, let's take even race relations. You know, I've been involved in uh, reconciliation and bridging racial, cultural, economic, and gender barriers uh, for many decades. At the same time, I recognize the limits of my knowledge in for a number of reasons. One is I am a, a white male in here in the United States. I come from the United States. That alone is a, a power position globally, but I'm, I'm in a majority culture, at least, you know, power culture of being white. I'm also male. Uh, and so when I talk, I'm talking about things like systemic racism uh, or um, even just the power of being a, a male in the culture, uh, there are just certain limits I bring to the table that are 
prudence says I can read all I want and talk with all I want when I have, and I've been involved in it for many, many years, but prudence recognizes the limits of where not to speak and where to speak and how to speak, with whom to speak. I mean, it's just, it's again, the prudence of, of words, uh, recognizing the power of them. They have the power of life and death and uh, not getting outside of really my lane. That's why in the emotionally discipleship, we talk about certain phrases that we we use and even have, as we do the course, we're creating a new culture, the culture of Jesus. So we teach words like, I wonder. Uh, in other words, rather than jumping to assumptions and mind reading and judgmentalism so quickly, slow us down. And that's why emotionally healthy relationship skills are so critical to implementing a healthy theology. And they are very prudent where we stop mind reading and making assumptions about people. We speak in the I uh, rather than you, uh, because we've got to develop people as well that are prudent, not just we want to be prudent as leaders uh, and pastors and uh, in our families, we want to develop others who are prudent. And so we have found that we need to give people language to help them shift from, again, the way their families of origin did it, the way our culture does it, and how do we do the new family of Jesus, that yes, we have convictions, and I'll talk about that in just a moment, things that we are really strong and clear about, but there are many others that we're not, and prudence discerns the difference. And let me just take one, one last, well, one less example, two more less examples. One is relationships, how we even, what does it mean to be prudent in relationships? You know, a person's wisdom gives them patience. Well, I, I for years, I would build teams quickly, um, hire people fast, put people in positions very quickly, uh, and find out foolishly, because I didn't take the time to think it all through, really get to know folks, go through seasons. And how many people do you know that get married, fall in love, the oxytocin kicks in, and they just, boom, I'm going to get married, or I'm gonna, we're going to move in together, head over heels, and try to talk to them about, you know, asking some hard questions, going through seasons together, but uh, they'll have none of it, uh, because they're just, they're just, the emotion has just overtaken them, and they go for it. And even when you hear about conflict and you, you, someone gives you their position, perspective on a conflict about someone and you hear one side, but, you, but you've not heard the complexity on the other side. And as Love of Proverbs says, the first to present their case seems right until another comes forward and questions them. And uh, so even in relations, we want to be prudent in just before we declare judgments. Uh, that's why even sending emails, you want to be so careful and doing that in the presence of God with thoughtfulness and prayer and silence and solitude. So when you're angry with someone or you're triggered in an email, don't send it, you know, with lots of emojis and exclamation points, uh, because a person's wisdom gives them patience, 1910 of Proverbs. Uh, it was my siblings. I, I love my siblings. I've got two of my siblings that are quite uh, zealous right now about a number of conspiracy theories around the COVID-19 pandemic. And, um, but I'm not trying to change their mind. I'm not, in, I'm not engaging in arguments and uh, I'm not actively, you know, trying to do that for them. I, I, want to, I want to have a relationship with them. That's my priority. And uh, so if I get insulted, again, prudent says, a prudent person overlooks an insult, 1216. You know, it, uh, a, a man's wisdom or a woman's wisdom gives them patience. It's their glory to overlook an offense. You know, that, hey, God's been prudent with me in the sense of he's been very overlooking with me, very gracious, very forgiving. The great news of the gospel is that Jesus bore my foolishness and the consequences. It went to hell for my prudent, foolishness. But God is the prudent one. In Jesus are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. 
and he has covered over my immaturity. And we want to cover over other people's immaturity in the sense of saying things that maybe are really outlandish. Uh, and but God's been so compassionate with my impulsive, imprudent decisions. And so might God give us grace to be gracious with other people as well. But here's what I am clear about and strong about with my words. Uh, and again, I want to always speak with humility. So, so things like, you know, the end times, like we don't know the, no one knows the end. Um, and you could be, if you look at history, global history, many times look like they were the end, but Jesus says, no one knows a time or day. And so, and I've studied Revelation. I know, understand Revelation. I understand how it was written by John and the kind of literature there was in that day that was called apocalyptic literature. And it's an incredible pastoral book to people who are suffering and a credible perspective of God being on the throne. But it was never written to be a precise uh, end time book of dates and events and all that. And so I'm very strong and clear about do not put words in God's mouth. Uh, Don't say God's saying something that he hasn't said. Um, (coughs) And then when people get into arguments, for example, about how old is the earth and, uh, you know, how many years old it is, et cetera. And I, I, and I, I get very strong and I, about the foolishness of dating the earth based on the Bible and based on Genesis one and two. And if you read again, I, if you read Hebrew, uh, and I remember studying Hebrew in, in seminary, uh, and us studying in depth, Genesis one and chapter two. And, uh, and how that's a poet. In, in, in the original language, it's poetry. Uh, God created the earth in one day and seven days, and it culminates in God being on the throne. Uh, but it was never meant to be a literal 24-hour days, and you don't read poetry like you read history. Uh, the Psalms, for example, is filled with poetry. So are the prophets, uh, many poetic segments of that. But you don't read poetry like you read a history book, and uh, you've got to read Scripture as it was intended to be read whether it's a gospel, prophet, a law, or wisdom literature. And scripture is very, so I'm, I'm very clear, don't, uh, that, that's, you're putting words in God's mouth, like, don't do that. Empires come and go. Uh, I know the United States or the Western culture is not God's chosen people. It will pass away. God is on the throne. There's great uncertainty. That's not new in history. There will be a new heaven and new earth. Uh, and and he's, everything's fine in God's hands, and he's working out a plan. And so I want to be always getting wise counsel uh, uh, along the way, again, regardless of what I'm doing. And, and uh, that's why you want to always be looking for mentors and people ahead of you. So here's God's invitation to us as we close here. You want to stay grounded in God. Scripture, silence and solitude, you know, breathe, relax in his presence. Uh, get wise counsel. There's good and there's bad counsel. You know, plans fail for lack of counsel. And you want to be faithful to what God's given you. Matthew 24 and 25, feed those God's given you. Be faithful with your talents. Uh, take care of the people on the poor and the marginalized. You know, Matthew 25, always care for the folks in the margin whom the world forgets. And you want to be about making disciples, uh, being fruitful in that and abounding in that and out of a listening, abiding relationship with Jesus. Because in Jesus are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, and he calls out. So stay grounded. And let me invite you again to that. Uh, to get go to emotionallyhealthy.org slash daily office and get that new resource on the on the daily office, an ancient resource to help stay grounded. It's carried me for years. Uh, and again, you can print it or download it and uh, may God use it to help you stay grounded in these turbulent times in which we're living. And if you're listening to this after the turbulent times in which we're living, you can rest assured other turbulent times will come. And so as Proverbs 8, 8 says, does not wisdom call out? Does not understanding raise her voice. And then it says, you who are simple, gain prudence. 
for wisdom is more precious than rubies and nothing you desire can compare with her. God bless everybody. Have a wonderful, wonderful day.